Amen. Amen. All right, so when was the last time you heard a talk on grieving and loss? Was that a funeral? Um, the scriptures talk a lot about grieving and loss. Why are we talking about this today? Nobody, did, maybe you know or I know, um, maybe you may not be thinking about somebody that you've lost or someone that's dead, but I want you to ask yourself this question today as we go through this. Have you grieved the loss of what you had hoped for in this life? Have you grieved for something that you hoped would have happened in this life already by now that hasn't happened yet? And so all of us are already saying, oh my gosh, there's a lot of stuff that I should be grieving. So we're going we're gonna to try to look at it in three, three ways today. It's printed there. The first one is that you and I were created for perfection. Something really went wrong, though. Something really got, you know what... Uh, Messed up. And uh, the second thing we'll, we'll, we'll look at there is that while we've been created for perfection, we're living in a world of imperfection. You and I live in a world of disappointment. And uh, Garrison Keeler, I'll quote him, he says, if life doesn't break your heart at least once a day, you're suffering from a serious lack of imagination. He's basically saying, wake up. Become more alert because... Uh, things are not the way that they used to be. And the third thing we're going to get after is letting Christ come in and, and be your comfort. Okay? So let's, uh, let's read a few verses here. The first one that is printed there is Job chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Okay, that's... You might be thinking, whoa, what are we stepping into right now? Uh, Let me keep reading. He said, may the day of my birth perish, and the night that said, a boy is conceived, that day may it turn to darkness, may God above not care about it, may no light shine on it. Okay? What we can learn about this is there's a deep sense of honesty that's in the Bible about people getting really, really, really real and honest about grief and loss. And uh, I think Ronell was talking about the Psalms earlier. The Psalms are filled with laments. And uh, there's even a book in the Bible called Lamentations. Like the prophet prophet Jeremiah writing an entire book about lamenting, stating the things that you're grieving or that you've lost. Um, I list this verse under this first point here, created for perfection, because the Bible story, the arc of the entire story, doesn't start with someone saying, cursed be the day that I was born. The Bible starts with perfection. The Bible's story is a garden where there's unbelievable, unimaginable perfection between you and Others, between you and God, you and the created order, it's all perfect. If you go back and read Genesis 1 and 2, it is astounding at how there's that perfection. And a horrible crash happens in Genesis chapter 3. Go back and maybe read that chapter today. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 is what's known as the fall. 
And uh, it's so catastrophic. It, it, it touches on every part of their humanity and every part of our humanity. Finances, sexuality, um, age, aging. I just ran a half marathon yesterday, and I didn't do it as fast as I used to could do it. I hope my next one I can, but not that one. Um, so many things are taking place in Genesis chapter 3, and the effects of the fall still exist today. You've been created for perfection. It was there. Um, but we lost it. Some, someone has called this echoes of Eden. Why is it that you and I long for peace in our world? Why is it that you want your mother to get healed of cancer or maybe something that you're going through? Why is that in you that you want that so deeply? Why is it that you want a relationship that you're in to work out and be, to be right and for there not to be arguments in that relationship or tension in that relationship. Why is that? And it's because there are echoes of Eden. There are things echoing throughout creation, echoing in your mind and in my heart because we know that it used to be perfect. Even someone who's not a Christian would sit here and tell you that they know that something went wrong. How did we get to where we are right now? And the biblical arc of the story is it started out perfect. It didn't start out with sin and chaos, but it started out in perfection. So my big question to you today is, have you grieved the loss of what you hoped for in this life? And the book that I've been asking all of you to read, maybe you've been reading it or about to get into it and look at it, is it's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There's another one called The Emotionally Healthy Church. And what the writer does in this book is he's trying to get us to go beneath the surface. He's trying to get us to look at our family of origin. And he's also trying to get us to uh, embrace limits that we have. And then today's topic is he's trying to get us to um, embrace grieving and loss. And so, again, you might hear grief and loss, and you think, well, hey, but nobody died. Why am I grieving, and what do you mean loss? What I'm talking about is maybe a loss of a dream. Maybe a dream you had long ago that somehow in all of life, life's complications, that dream hasn't fully been realized yet. Maybe there's something that happened to you. Maybe it's been abuse. Maybe there's something in the system at large that's at play that's just not the way that it's supposed to be. Um, and the application that I'm presenting here to us today is, is listed here. To be honest. Be honest about the grief and the loss. Like That's the very first step. Look at Job. We, we just read it, but now let's look at it again. Job is being ruthlessly honest about his grief and his loss. He loses everything. You know the story of Job. He loses everything in one day. And here in this, in this chapter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, he's not afraid that God is going to like punish him for finally being honest. God is inviting you and I to be really honest about the loss that you've experienced, about the grief, about a dream that you haven't seen happen yet. 
And uh, the, the encouragement to you and I today is that God can handle. God can handle your emotions. I promise you. However raging they may feel, however you may have tried to hide them for all these years, however you and I may try to get all looking good out here, but yet emotions are going crazy on the inside, God welcomes that. He welcomes those emotions. Uh, As I said, if you're taking notes, it's Psalm 13. That's one about grief and loss. It's a lament. It's Psalm 22. It's Psalm 38. Psalm 43. Psalm 55. Psalm 59. Psalm 61. Psalm 73. Psalm 88. One-third of the Psalms are laments. Right? We sing. We praise. We lift hands in worship. We have... All of those things going on, and those come from the Psalms, but we don't talk a lot about the laments in the Psalms. And I dare say we're afraid. I think we're afraid. It's much easier to get busy. It's much easier to flip on the television. It's much easier to throw ourselves into a new hobby or to really anything to get away from the thought of grieving or thinking about loss. And uh, the, the Bible, Jesus included, is inviting us to experience and embrace grieving and loss. Um, I love Jesus hanging on the cross asking our question. The burning question that happened to you when you experienced something difficult was, where were you, God? Think of something Uh, Think of something that you're grieving right now. Think of some loss in your life and being so bold with God to ask that question. God, if you had cared, you would have been there. If you were present, you would have done something about it. Listen to your Savior's question while he's on the cross. My God, my God, finish the sentence with me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is interacting with God in this very, very intimate, honest way. And so he's not afraid that you may have that same question. I love that those are some of Jesus' last dying words. Asking the very questions that I have sometimes. Not being afraid to ask those questions. Brings us to the second thing here. We we live in this world of imperfection. But what do you do with the disappointment. And this is, where, this is where this whole talk, which I'm not wanting it to be, you can interpret it as uh, cynicism. You might know someone that's cynical. They, they just think about the negative, and there's really no point to it all. Another word for that is bitching and complaining. David in the Psalms is not doing that and complaining. Lamenting is different. Lamenting is stating what is. It's just saying, it's hard. This is significant. This is a grief that I have. This is a loss that I have. I expected something totally different. We were created for perfection, and and now this? Something's wrong. Think of Naya. Think of Naya and the two others just last uh, week or week and a half ago, um, dying on BART. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not a community that loves each other. That's not a community that's caring for each other. Something has gone wrong when we see something like that happen. 
sex trafficking in our city that most likely happened again last night right here in San Francisco. Um, that's grieving a loss, a, the loss of that perfection. Uh, the thing that we're going to look at here is we don't stop hoping for a perfect world. No. The cynical person, the person maybe living without Jesus would say, hey, life really has gone to hell in a handbasket. Let's, let's just go get drunk or high tonight. There's really no other reason for our existence. Um, God is offering us something so different. Look at Psalm 37. Seven printed there. And the prescription here in living in a world of imperfection is to wait. And I know that one doesn't sound all that attractive. <laughs> Psalm 37.7 is so robust, so powerful when he's saying, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. See, we still grieve. We still grieve things that are horrific, like a divorce, like a death like a spouse cheating on you, like a friend that betrays you, like a parent that abuses you, like a loved one that really didn't show up for you when you needed him to, like a friend that gossiped about you and threw you under the bus, like a political or an economic system that's rigged or doesn't work. We still grieve those things. Uh, and, and here's another thing is that it, it, we may never get over the thing that we're grieving. But God will get us through it. God promises to get you through the grieving. You might not just graduate, though, and be finished with the grieving or finished with experiencing the loss. Um, It may take a lot of time as you're going through this. One of the things that we grieve in our church is friends moving away. Is that not true? For any of you that have been here for any length of time, there's a number of us that end up moving away from San Francisco. And I'm trying to do everything I can so that that doesn't happen anymore. But it's just inevitable. I had other pastors in San Francisco um, alert me about that when I moved here about five years ago. Troy, are you aware how transient this place really is? Are you aware that some of your best friends will end up moving away a year after you meet them to Seattle, to L.A., and to all the other places where we've seen people go from our church as well. That's a loss. That's grief. That's hoping that it wouldn't have gone that way, but admitting that it did go that way and not trying to control it so that it never happens again, but it's to embrace it. And it's to experience God in the midst of that and to be honest with God and say, this is hard. The very thing that I'm going through right now, whatever it is for you, use your imagination. Get in touch with where you're at. Um, There are things about my wife's health literally today that are very hard for me to work through and for me to wait on God about. But that's the prescription here in Psalm 37.7. Be still. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for God. Yet in this grieving and loss, man, we just start stirring. We start, it's it's uncanny to watch the human spirit and how it's so hard to get still with God. I hate it. I hate waiting. I prefer control. 
I prefer to get stuff done. I prefer to see results. Um, this, is, uh, this is very uncomfortable. And it's confusing, and I, I, I say this here in the application part that you see here printed, is it's, the application is waiting in the confusing in-between realm that we live in. So we mentioned that in the beginning you were created for perfection. That's the story arc of the Bible is everything started out perfectly, yet we live in an imperfect world. Yet God is going to restore all things back to perfection. Everything will be created right back to its original order. It will be restored or recreated. That's what's coming. That's the promise of the Bible. When Jesus returns, he recreates everything. He doesn't throw everything away. And we don't sprout wings on our backs so that we can all fly up to heaven. Christ comes back to this earth and restores all things. Yet, that hasn't happened yet. So we live in this in-between world, and that's what's uncomfortable for you and for me as we wait. As we wait. It's so hard. Be still and know that I am God, is what he says. He doesn't say, be still and come up with your plan. He wants us planning. He wants us thinking. He wants us being strategic, networking, so forth. But it's the trusting in God and waiting and waiting on Him. Uh, John Milton, we, we referenced this last week, uh, his book, Paradise Lost. Anybody read that? I remember reading some of that in high school. It's one of the best poems in, in American literature ever penned. And he, he, uh, in Paradise Lost, he describes the evil of history as this compost pile. Do you, do you remember reading that part in the book? He, he talks about these decaying substances such as animal excrement, vegetables, fruit peels, potato skins, eggshells, dead leaves, uh, banana peels. And yet, if you cover it with dirt, after a few years, it starts to smell wonderful. And it's actually fertilizer to help things grow. It's amazing. And Milton, in his beautiful language, his whole point is that the worst events of human history, the worst events going on in your life, that grief, that loss, can and will be used by God to create beautiful things. Only God can do that. Only God is able to do that. John chapter 11 Here's a brief story. One of Jesus' best friends, his name is Lazarus. And Lazarus has two siblings. One is named Mary and the other one's named Martha. Lazarus dies like he's out. He didn't fake his death so that Jesus could raise him. He, doesn't, he, he dies. And they call Jesus to come and, and, and see him so, so that he might heal Lazarus before he dies. Yet... Jesus waits. Jesus waits four days. What's the point? Jesus wants to bring comfort into your grief, into your loss, but he might wait four days. He might wait so that you can wait on him. I don't understand that. I don't even know that I like that. I just know that that's for my good, and I'm learning to like that, and I'm learning to understand that, and I'm learning that that's God's way. Lazarus had been dead for four days. Um, 
He finally shows up. They're all wailing. They're weeping. I mean, it's loud. People are grieving. This is a loss. Jesus miraculously um, heals them and ends up saying, I am the resurrection and the life. In the last day, that is, right now, Lazarus is alive, but in the last day when I return again and restore all things, there will be no more death. There will be no more wailing and crying. There will be no more loss and grieving. Talk about a celebration. Brings us to uh, the, the third thing here, of letting Christ come in and be your comfort. The verse here that I have is John chapter 12, verse 24. Jesus speaking, he says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This this is profound. This is amazing. This is that mysterious way that God has about birthing new things. And that's the application here is letting the old birth the new. This is the rhythm, this is the cadence of resurrection life that you and I are experiencing right now. Because of Jesus' resurrection, Jesus is bringing about the resurrection of new things in my life. So where there's loss, where I had a certain dream and I've... um, uh, maybe that dream died, or maybe God wanted it to die. Maybe there are other dreams that He wants to resurrect that only appeared dead, only appeared to be lacking life, that God wants to put His hand on and bring life to it. See, all of this is instead of us pouring more, more energy into working overtime. Overtime can be great, overtime can help us do some debt reduction and get some savings going on, but if we're not careful, work becomes another excuse for us to get as far away from grief and loss as possible. I'm going to get busy. How? I'm going to go work. I'm going to throw myself into it. I'm going to be good at it, too. I'm going to choose another hobby. You know what? I need a new show. I'm going to choose another show on top of the other shows that I already watched. This isn't guilt. This is, I'm not saying all these things for guilt. I'm just saying that instead of running to another vacation, grieve. Instead of running to throwing yourself into work, grieve. No one else is telling you to grieve. They're telling you to get your act together. They're telling you to be tough. They're telling you that if you grieve, you're weak. Or they're saying, well, just trust God with it and hurry up and move on. David and the psalmist saying, trust God with it, but be still and know that God is God. Let God meet you in that place. Um, John 11, back to that story. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and he was deeply moved in spirit, it said. He was deeply troubled. You know what it says there in verse 35? It's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. It's two words. Jesus wept. Your Savior weeps. Your Savior, Savior cries in that moment. Did he have the power to, to, to resurrect? Yes. But, and he did. But he cries. He weeps right there with those who are weeping. 
He knows the pain in your life. He knows what you're grieving. He knows your dreams that aren't yet even coming true yet. He knows what you want. He knows what you're striving for. He knows these things. There's so much that I'll just open up about my life here for just a moment. There's so much that I had hoped for in this life, which I wish had already taken place, but it hasn't. It hasn't. And I and you included, we have different things to do about that. I'm not going to get cynical. I'm going to learn to grieve. I'm going to learn to get honest with God and say, God, because I was created for perfection and what you created in the garden was perfect, yet because of this crash, everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. I want to learn to grieve. I want to learn to admit loss. It's really hard for me. It's even uncomfortable to talk about this right now. The application is uh, printed right here for us, letting the old birth the new. See, we, we grow uh, with greater concern for the poor when we've experienced a little poverty. We grow in greater concern with someone else who has an illness when we have an illness. We grow in greater concern with someone who needs help when we finally admit that we need help with something. That's when we're getting a chance to grow. And as this, um, as this new birth of resurrection is taking place in, in us, we, we grow more comfortable with, mis- with mystery. Have you ever felt, as a Christian, so much pressure to have all the answers? <laughs> Maybe answers about suffering or give someone a real quick answer whenever they're suffering. Someone's suffering and they tell you about it and you just say, oh, but God is good. Yeah, God is good, but there's suffering going on right now. That's lamenting. That's grieving. That's admitting loss, that things are not the way that they're supposed to be. So as we grow and mature in this, we, we, we grow and we, we embrace the mystery a lot more of who God is, that, that God's purposes for the grief and for the loss is so far beyond what we can even understand. And we, we, we grow in, in loving others as we learn how to grieve and as we learn how to admit loss. Because everyone around you at work, everyone in your neighborhood, everyone that lives in your building, they're going through grieving and loss about, about something. They've lost a parent, or they will. Our bodies are aging. Again, all of this is not... The, we're not supposed to land the plane with this talk of all of us feeling down and depressed. It's not, it's not where I'm trying to lead this. I'm trying to lead this with be honest about your grief and loss. Be honest about it. The second thing, wait in the confusing in-between of where we are right now in the story. And the last one is letting the old birth the new believing that Jesus will birth something new, as weird as that compost illustration that, John, that, that Milton uses there in his book, Paradise Lost, that God really is going to bring new birth out of something right now that's horrific and horrible and hard in your life. Let's turn that into a prayer.
Pray with me. Father, we, we don't understand. It's a mystery. Grieving and loss and suffering and the whole waiting part. God, we grieve right now out loud together that it, it, it's just, it's wrong. It's wrong for Naya and, and those others to, to have died on Bart. It's, it's wrong. God, it's, it's wrong for, for people to be suffering and being, losing homes and not having a place to live right here in our own city. God, we grieve that. Lord, and for, for us, the, the loss of a dream. Lord, we, we pray that you would bring your comfort in. We pray that you would show us what it means to be still and wait on you. And Lord, as we wait, give us hope. Give us faith in the resurrected Christ who seeks to bring comfort to us and who seeks to lead us forward and who's promised that the story will end in perfection in the same way that it started. When Jesus, you return. And so we cry out, we we pray, come Lord Jesus, please return. Bring your peace that you've always promised. Lord, in the meantime, help us love those that are grieving. Help us love those that are going through loss. Lord, we thank you for your comfort. It's unspeakable. It's unimaginable. Lord, we we, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Jesus, we thank you for such a great picture, such a great reality of you weeping. You weeping, showing your tenderness, yet also showing your power to resurrect Lazarus in that story. Lord, have mercy. Help us be honest and be real. 